tears and stones. I want to talk to you this morning about some of the amazing stuff that goes on in our world. I want to talk about the space within you. I want to talk about quantum mechanics. I want to talk about the size of the universe. I want to talk about what Jesus really meant when he said you could have a mansion and I want to talk about some ancient Hebrew love poetry. And somehow we're going to weave it all together and your spirit's going to catch it. It's going to catch the magnitude of it. See, one of the things Paul said last week, he was talking about DNA and he was talking about somehow God moving up and down the ladders of our DNA and it led... It led me to ask the question, I wonder how much space there is in my body. I shared a little bit of it last week. And what I discovered is every human being is made up of 99.9999% empty space. Which is a bit weird because when you cut yourself it doesn't seem like that. But at a molecular level it's true. Because your body's made of organs which are made of cells which are composed of molecules which are linked up in atoms. And atoms exist on this really tiny scale. They're made up of protons and neutrons and electrons. And if you cast your mind back uh, you might remember this to a science lesson this is a hydrogen atom it's got one proton and one electron it's the simplest form of atom you can get so you've got this proton in the middle electron moving around it which means there's a ton of space and you are made up of them everything's made up of them the question is what fills the space And there's all sorts of things that are way beyond my understanding, but it seems to me from my uh, fun of researching quantum physics this week that it's filled with some kind of energy. And then I read my Bible and it tells me that God is in all and through all and over all. And I started to see afresh on a whole new level that we live in a completely God-soaked universe. A universe whereby a young girl who can't see and can't really have a conversation can produce the most incredible pieces of classical music and wow an audience and leave them in tears. The world we live in is absolutely mind-blowing. And you can go super small, you can go beyond our atoms, and you can get to the quantum world, which is the study of things that are super, super small. And then things get really, really, really weird. All the laws that people thought governed the world kind of went out the window when you go super small. There's this thing called quantum entanglement, which is you can link two particles together, and they become entangled together. And then you can separate them. And you can start one spinning in one direction. And immediately the other one will start spinning in the other direction, even though it's hundreds of miles away. The theory goes that you could separate these two particles by billions of light years. And when you spun one, the other would still spin instantly. Which is mind-blowing, because it means that the message from one to the other would have to go faster than the speed of light. And physics said for many years that nothing could go faster than the speed of light. It's so weird. And then when you go super big, it's really weird as well. I mean, how much do you think we actually know about everything that makes up our universe? You don't answer, because I bet you know. 
How much do you think we know about what makes it up? This is the answer. We know 5% of what makes up our world. All the matter that you see that you can touch, we know about 5% of it. And there's these things that a scientist called dark matter and dark energy. When they study our universe, they see that it's expanding. But if it's only made of galaxies, stars, and planets, it shouldn't be expanding. There's, there's got to be something else out there. There has to be this energy that's making the universe expand. Nobody knows what it is, and we don't know where it comes from, but we just know it's there. And scientists call that dark energy. We know very little about it, but it makes about 68% of our entire universe. So there's something out there that nobody knows what it is, nobody knows where it comes from, but it must exist, and that makes up 68% of our entire universe. And then there's this thing called dark matter, which is the other kind of 20-odd percent, because that's got gravity, um, and we see it pull on the things, but it's nothing that anybody's heard of, and nobody can describe that either, but it's definitely there, and we call that stuff dark matter. So when it gets really small, these really weird things happen, and when it gets really big, these weird things happen, and then you see a girl sat on the piano, and really weird things happen. There is actually very little that we understand about our world. And most of the time, we're quite content to not understand. Many of you will have got in a car to drive here. Very few of you will be able to adequately describe how that car works. Other than if I don't put petrol in, it doesn't go. Or sometimes it runs out of oil. But I bet very few of you can adequately describe the internal combustion process or how that all works. Many of you will enjoy electricity this morning, but very few of you can tell me how a rod of uranium ends up turning on your light bulb. But you are more than happy to enjoy the electricity that it creates. Most of you will have no idea how an ear of corn turns into cornflakes that end up in your bowl. But you are more than happy to enjoy the cornflakes. You see, there's so much that we can't get our head around that we don't understand, so much that we could understand if we wanted to, but actually we're just happy to enjoy the benefits of the internal combustion engine and nuclear power and modern manufacturing process and all the rest. There's so much we don't understand, and yet we seem very happy to enjoy the benefits without bothering about understanding, which confuses me. Because it seems, when it comes to Jesus, we're obsessed with understanding rather than just enjoying the benefits. And yet in nearly every other walk of life, we are more than happy to not understand and just enjoy. Why of all the things that we don't understand and yet enjoy the benefits of, can we not just enjoy the benefits of Jesus? Why are we so in our heads about it? To go back to the car, many of you will get in your car and drive home and you won't even consciously think about how you got home. You won't even remember what happened on the journey. Unless you hit something off someone. <laughs> yeah, it seems to me that many of us want to fully understand the idea of resting with Jesus before we can fully enter in. But if you took that approach with everything else, you wouldn't get very far and you wouldn't do very much. So why can't we take our approach to electricity and nuclear power and internal combustion and everything else, why can't we take that approach and go, okay, I'm going to enjoy the benefits, Jesus, and not worry too much about understanding how it all works? Because we seem to be able to do that in nearly every other area of life. Which leads me to mansions. In my father's house, there are many 
mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think, used to think that in heaven there were literally streets lined with gold, and there may well be. And I also used to think there were big houses. And I used to think the bigger the house you got was how well you did on the earth. So, you know, the really people who lived in Millionaire's Row, they were the saints. And I mean, everybody got a big one, don't get me wrong, but, you know, some were bigger than others. That was my interpretation of this verse for a long time. Maybe it was yours. No, maybe it's just me that's a wallet. But the word translated mansion here is the Greek word monet, which means places to live, residences, abodes, realms. In my father's house, in other words, where father lives, which is, of course, everywhere, there are many realms, many places to be, many places to live. And all this talk of, of rest is an opportunity to move into new realms, and the destination, if you like, is here. This is the destination that you can say, I am at rest in this love. That's the destination of it all. I am at rest in this love. That's really what we're talking about all the time. The ability to be fully and completely at rest in the love of the Father. I am at rest in this love. To rest with him is to take some time so he can do what he always wanted to do, which is to draw you into his heart. This, so the Song of Songs, by the way, is an incredible piece of ancient love poetry that can be read in all sorts of ways. There's actually far different ways that the rabbis would read into it. But one of them is just an expression of love between a man and a woman. The other one is an expression of love between Jesus and you. And they both work. It's poetry. Hey, you can interpret it in all sorts of different ways. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have come, as you have asked. Why? Why? To draw you to my heart and lead you out. To draw you to my heart and lead you out. You see, the whole point of spending time with him, the whole point of Jesus is that he would draw you to his heart and then lead you out. He desires that you would make that time so he can draw you to him and lead you out into new places. That is the only reason he wants to spend any time with you. He does not want to chastise you. He does not want to beat you up. He does not want to tell you off. He just wants to draw you to his heart more and more. Of course, we find all sorts of reasons why that's not possible. And we are generally brilliant at discounting ourselves from anything good, which is exactly what the woman in the Song of Songs does, as we'll show you in a minute. But for now, I want to ask you a different question. What's the state of your spirit? What is the state of your spirit? If you were to describe it, how would you describe it? I found myself asking someone to think about this recently. It got me thinking. Because we're talking about connecting with God, and we know that God is spirit. And according to 1 Corinthians 2.14, spirit can only be known by spirit. So we're not trying to go God by our minds or in our physical bodies, but we're connecting spirit to spirit because God is spirit, and spirit can only be known by spirit. Which means that although your soul may be crushed and your heart may be broken and your mind might be fried, here's the good news, it doesn't really matter. Because your spirit's alive and well. 
your spirit's alive and well. Although your soul may be crushed and your heart may be broken and your mind might be fried, here's the good news, your spirit is doing very well. That must be, otherwise, lots of people must be excluded. If it's about your mind, how could Lucy meet Jesus? And how could she express his heart through a piano playing? How could somebody suffering with Alzheimer's or dementia or trauma-induced brain injury or mental illness, how could tons of people identify me if it's about your mind? But it's not about your mind. It's about your spirit, which is beautifully renewed and ready and open for Jesus. No one is written off. And everyone can connect with him because your spirit is in perfect shape to connect with Jesus. The problem is we don't think like that and instead we disqualify ourselves because we think much more like the young woman we read of who says this, I know I am so unworthy, so in need, yet you are so lovely. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads, yet you are so lovely like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. Please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. You can put your own words in there, but we all identify to one degree with what she's saying. Here's the thing. She feels unworthy, dark, dry, sinful. That's how she feels in that moment. But we must learn that those words can never be true of your spirit. They may well be true of the soul. They may well be true of your heart. They may well be true of your mind, but they're not true of your spirit. Your spirit is not unworthy and it's not dry or dark or sinful. You might feel that those negative words are around you and perhaps many others you might feel are true about you. But we have to ask which parts of you are they true about? Which parts of you are they true about? They might be true of your soul and your mind, but you're not trying to connect with Jesus in your soul or your mind because spirit can only be known by spirit. Your spirit is ready and willing to connect with Jesus because that's what it's designed to do. And nothing on this earth can actually get in the way of it. Other than you allowing your mind to get in the way of it. What's fascinating to me is the contrast between how the woman sees herself and how she sees a lover. She is unworthy, dry, dark, sinful, yet he is so lovely. A little later on in the poem, the man, the Jesus figure says this, my dearest one. Let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. We will enhance your beauty, encircling you with our golden reins of love. You will be marked with our redeeming grace. Look at you, my dearest darling. You are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. We will enhance your beauty. You can't enhance something that's not already there. We will enhance your beauty. Can you see the contrast between how the woman sees herself and the man sees her? The contrast between how you see and how Jesus sees? Unworthy, dark, dry, sinful, thrilling, enhance your beauty, marked with redeeming grace, lovely, beauty itself. This, of course, is the challenge for us all the time, the challenge to receive his love, the challenge to say, as the woman does in the next chapter that I've already quoted, I am at rest in this love. See, there's this constant fight going on between our minds and our spirits because all this negative's in your mind, but here's the thing, your spirit knows it to be true. There's something, even as I say those words, that something inside you connects and goes, yes, 
and you want it to be true, but you don't have to need to want it because it already is true. It just is true. The whole point of learning to rest with Jesus is to allow that truth to flow up from our spirits into our minds. We got it wrong for a long time. We talked about it dropping from our head to our hearts. No, that's not the right way around. It's already in your spirit. It's got to arise like incense into your mind to melt the nonsense that's in your mind. You're not trying to get it dropped somewhere. You're trying to get it to arise somewhere. It exists deep in the core of who you are, in every human being that exists. You see, all that space. Job says that if the Lord should inhale his breath, all flesh would perish. He says it a couple of times. And you remember Genesis 1, what distincts the animals from the rest of from humanity is that it says God breathed on them. The Hebrew is ruach. It means breath, but it also means spirit. It means life. It means the life-giving force of nature that you have. So, hey, all that empty space, it's full. There's nothing empty about me. And there's nothing empty about you. I might be a little bit more aware of it than you. But that's the only difference. I am full of the Spirit of God. It's just allowing ourselves to become aware of it. That's the journey we're on. It's not complicated. Although it is at times challenging. Resting with Jesus is about making the time to allow it to rise up like that beautiful incense to infiltrate our minds. And in order for that to happen, we may well need some healing of our hearts, some of those lies that stop the beautiful incense of Jesus rising into our minds and our hearts, but that's more than possible. I've been loving this, these words this week. A sachet of myrrh is my lover, like a tied-up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. This is infused with myrrh. That's what it is. It's myrrh. Quite a woody, bitter flavor. But myrrh is mentioned in the Bible 152 times. It was used for embalming. It was used as an antiseptic to clean and treat wounds and as a paste to help stop bleeding. There are two primary compounds found in myrrh, both of which have anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects. And one of the compounds has an effect on our hippocampus, the emotional center of our brain that keeps us calm and balanced. And according to scripture, Jesus is like a tied up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. A tied up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. as I've lived with this picture this week I've just felt a measure of his beautiful healing I've, kept, I've just been meditating on these words all week just thanking him for the healing properties of a bundle of myrrh that covers my heart and as we go into a time of just worship and prayer and rest and whatever we go into I wanted to just remind you 
And I wanted, I wanted you to take something away with you. And I didn't, there's more here as well, so if you want to, I, I've got it all over me. I used it as like aftershave this morning. It's all over my head and my neck and everywhere. I just smothered myself in it. So this is actually uh, uh, Georgia broil with myrrh in it, because if you put lots of myrrh on it, it can't be, it can't, it's not right for your skin. Um, but, and I didn't put too much on, because I know some people don't like strong smells, but you might like a lot of it, and you might like it plaster yourself in it or whatever. But I, I'm just going to, there's not tons of it, so don't, don't empty the bottle over yourself, all right? Save some for everybody else. Yeah, don't drink it. No, that won't be wise. But, but musicians, do you want to come? I just wanted to. I felt like as we. As we sang and worshipped him this morning, there was some heart healing he wanted to do. I don't, I don't quite know what or why or how or who, but I just, now we're just going to flow and see what happens. But I just felt like there was some heart healing he wanted to do. And I wanted you to have something that was just sensory, that could just help you and remind you the reality of what he's like and what he's done. So we're going to move into a time of something. I don't quite know what or why or what, but, but just, just allow him. Jesus, we want to say thank you for your heart towards us. We want to say thank you that to you we indeed are thrilling to you that we are beauty itself to you. And Lord, I thank you that you are like a bundle of myrrh over our hearts. And as we rest in you, as we worship you, as we sing, Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father God, we receive you as a tied up bundle of myrrh over our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Massive revelation that I had quite quite a few months ago. It didn't floor me as such, but I, I was kind of um, rather emotional about this. And maybe I just keep banging on about this, but. There's a reason why. He, he delights in you every second of every day. Just like he delighted in Jesus. Just let's just think about that for a while. 
in you exactly the same way he delighted in Jesus. Exactly the same way. Now just think of that for one minute. The father gave his son some awesome power. Now if the father delights in you the same way that he delighted in Jesus, his son. He gave you exactly the same power. We often say to ourselves, we can do all things through him. That's true. That is absolutely true. He won't lie when he said that. And the reason why you can do all things through him is because you are made from him. Every single molecule, every single cell, every single drop of blood, every bit of DNA comes from him. So hang on a minute. I am a part of him. He is a part of me. I can overcome anything. For me, over this last year and a half, I got into the habit of thinking about this every single day. Every single day, I think that I am a part of Him. He loves me exactly the same as he loves his son. So if God delighted in his son, he delights in me exactly the same way. When you really sit down or lay down or rest and actually ponder on this. Not only does it blow your mind, but it blows your heart. There's so much going on in the world that sometimes we forget where we actually come from and who we are actually part of. So maybe it might just be a good idea just to ponder on that for a little while. Just think, I am a part of Him. He delights in everything about me.
were watching that video in the beginning with that girl playing the piano. I saw her spirit standing in her body. So she was sitting there, but her sp spirit was standing. She was, and her spirit is much bigger. Our bodies are in our spirits. It's not the other way around. So her spirit was standing there completely unaffected by her situation or condition, whole. And what was like the most amazing thing to see was that incredible dignity of that spirit. That's her, true her. That's who she is. That's what Jesus sees when he looks at us. When he says, you are beautiful. I delight in you. He doesn't see our bodies and the bumps and bruises and traumas and the things we've gone through because it's not, he does see it, but it's not what defines us. So if we manage to shift our focus on the true reality instead of focusing on our immediate what's around us and what we've been through and maybe also stop talking about those realities here all the time keeping framing them up and kind of creating them all over again and again and again which keeps us in this dimension if we manage to shift and just focus and see how he sees us and begin to think that way then we manifest differently in this realm and that's when then Adam talks about quantum physics again so thrilling to me. We will enhance your beauty, circling you with our golden reins of love. You will be marked with our redeeming grace. Look at you, my dearest darling. You are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me.
Sunday, but Sunday is an absolutely transformational morning this morning. I know, because I felt it. And I'm, I'm, I'm telling you about it to just reassure you that it's real. Because I think you're probably not quite sure what's happened or what went on, but I just want you to know that I felt it. You were released of something that's been deep in your heart for many years. But God took it. It was when Steve was sharing. And for whatever reason, it just lifted off you. And I'm just telling you so you can know it's true. It's not too good to be true. It is true. just like instrumental or something that's in there. You may want to just keep resting and enjoying and that's fine. You may want to go, which is also fine, but please don't disturb those who are just enjoying these moments. Please prioritize them and what's going on for them. And um, yeah, we're kind of in this place of not really finishing, but finishing, which is fine. But let's please respect those people who are just enjoying it. Um, yeah, let's do that. Um, we've got life groups this week on Saturday morning. We've got our parenting forum, which is for those with under fives. Um, Sunday morning we're together. Sunday night we're going to be downstairs just spending more, more of this learning more and doing more of being with him and encountering with him. 